Welcome to the Jill on Money emergency bonus episode. Gosh, we're getting used to this lately. Well, when you get a chance to talk to a renowned economist and old friend, the day that the Federal Reserve announces a half point emergency rate cut, you take them on the phone, even if you'd rather have a studio line. I recorded this interview with Mohammed El Aryan, the chief economist of Allianz, just hours after the Fed rate decision. Markets were selling off. It seemed like everything was going to hell in a handbasket. Here's what Mohammed has to say. What do you think is the Fed's intention here? So I think the Fed had no choice but to cut interest rates. It was under massive market pressure and also political pressure. But what has become very clear is something that economists knew, central banks didn't want to admit it, and now is becoming more evident, is that central bank policy tools are ill-suited for what ails the global economy. Okay, why don't you explain that? Because we're talking about the spread of the coronavirus, the health pandemic. What is it that needs to happen in order to calm the jitters of investors and also maybe make a difference to stave off a potential recession globally. The spread of the virus around the world does two things. One, it paralyzes economic activity. People don't want to travel. Conferences get canceled. And more and more economic activity come to what is known as a sudden stop. They just stop. The second thing it does, it creates fear. So that amplifies the economic effect. To address this, it's not about interest rates. Lower interest rates will not make people travel more, will not make people go to public gathering, will not even make people shake hands. What lower interest rates will help is refinancing your mortgage, and that's, that's good, but it won't restart economic activity. What you need to address both these issues are a couple of things, and they're health-related. One, evidence that we can contain the spread of the virus. And second, indications through a vaccine, for example, that we can increase immunity and increase the recovery rate. Until that happens, the global economy will continue to face massive stress, massive contractionary winds. What should we read from the 10-year Treasury note falling below 1% for the first time ever. Did you ever think in your career that people would be lining up to lend the United States government money for 10 years and only ask for a 1% interest rate in return for that? No, neither did I think that in (laughs) Europe, people would lend their money for negative interest rates. So imagine this, you lend your money You take the risk that comes with lending your money and you pay for the privilege of lending your money. It is ridiculous. And yet that's what is happening on 15 trillion, with a T, dollars of debt, of bonds out there. What this reflects is two things. One is excessive interest rate reductions by central banks. And second, expectations that the global economy was slow. Already the OECD has halved the growth rate for the global economy from 2.9 to 1.5%. That is a massive cut in projections. And you know what? Mm. I worry that that's still too optimistic. When do you think we will really 
be or what what should we look for if we're just kind of following this at home? And I'll get to our 401ks and our retirement accounts in a second. But if we're following this story, when where are we likely to see evidence of a slowdown first? What's going to be the first thing that we notice? If you go out, you're going to notice fewer people in the street. If you travel, you're going to notice fewer people in airports. You're going to notice planes getting canceled. You're going to notice airlines suddenly offering you cheap rates and the ability to cancel at any point. You know, normally when you buy the cheap rate, you can't cancel and get your money back. Well, you know what? More and more airlines are going to do so. You're going to notice cruises going on sale. You're going to notice lots of hotels putting on sales. And then you're going to notice that the people aren't reacting to all that. So you're going to get also the demand shock. So you're going to notice just less economic activity taking place. And if you are working for multinationals, you're going to be told, don't travel unless it's essential travel. If you come back from certain countries, they're going to tell you, stay at home for a couple of weeks to make sure you don't have it. Um, And unfortunately, you're going to see panic. You're going to see shelves emptying more and more. Let's um, take a little bit of a sidestep here. Uh, Markets have been completely insane for the last, say, 10 trading sessions or eight trading sessions. And I'm wondering what advice you would give to somebody. Let's kind of give you like just two different types of people. Two-year-old is, you know, 15, 18 years away from retirement, has got money in a retirement account. What should that person do with his or her investments? So the inclination is to buy the dip, to take advantage of lower price for stocks, because that has worked extremely well. And you hear that being sold under the FOMO, fear of missing out. You're going to miss out on yet another rally in stock prices. Or alternatively, more, it's more, the more sort of um, soft version, which is called rebalancing, because your stock's have come down in price, they are smaller in terms of how much they are in your overall portfolio. So lots of people encourage you to buy. I would wait. I think this time is different. You don't want to make a big mistake. And the likelihood of making a mistake is quite high. So I tell people who rely on their savings and their investment for day-to-day, don't sell, don't panic, but don't take on more risk as yet. Wait for clarity on the medical side. If you are a day trader, or if you're good at arbitraging mispricings in markets, this is a time with a massive opportunity set. But you've got to be really good at this because the volatility is enormous. What if I'm 75 years old and I have a portfolio, you know, I live on my social security, I don't have a pension, I do draw money from my investment accounts. And I'm generally, let's call it a 50-50 investor, you know, 50 risky, 50 not so risky. And I'm 75 years old, and I definitely have to pull money out of my, my account every single year, whether it's for required minimum distributions or because I need the money. Should I be looking to change my allocation at this point? So I think you need a serious conversation with yourself, asking the following question. Not what can go well, which is what we like asking ourselves, but what mistake can I not afford to make? And that's a really important. When we are facing massive uncertainty, as we are now, when the probability of 
things going down a lot. Uh, as high as us rebounding if we get a vaccine tomorrow. These are what's, what are called bimodal distributions, which means they swing very heavily. And we know that the most likely thing for a human being to do when faced with this, because it takes you out of your comfort zone, you don't know which way to look. The biggest risk is you end up making a mistake. So I would tell that person, just ask yourself, what mistake can I not afford to make? Uh, and that will answer your question as to what you should do with your portfolio. A lot of people look at this interest rate cut. They There's chatter. Maybe there'll be another quarter point coming soon, maybe another half a point, and maybe they're going to go big on this. That means that a lot of people are going to see the amount of interest on their savings accounts just dwindle to back to that zero. Is there anything these folks should be doing, If again, if they really hate risk? So to the extent they have mortgages, this is the time to refinance them. Um, you will get very cheap money for a long time because in addition to interest rates being low, the yield curve, the shape of interest rates as you go out is still quite flat, which means that you can get cheap money for 10, 15 years. That is an opportunity. Everybody with a mortgage out there should look at the mortgage, call up and ask the question, can I refinance? And believe me, you will find that people not just want to refinance you, but they also are willing to eliminate closing costs and everything else. Um, so this is a really good inf- environment for those refinancing. So, so also go ask your bank, do you have any specials? Because banks are also wanting to build up deposits because they want to be able to claim that they have, quote, robust balance sheets. Um, so that's that's what you should do, but there is no general miracle answer out there. It's hard if you rely on interest income. This is hard. Okay. If I have to pick one economic report to focus on every month, I'm just the lay person and I want to drown out a lot of stuff, what's the most instructive thing for me to focus on, one data point that you think is worthwhile me investing some time in? Every, Friday, every first Friday of every month, you get the employment report. And that employment report tells you three things that are really important. First, are jobs being created or are jobs being lost? Second, what's happening to wages? And third, what's happening to labor participation? What's happening to the amount of people actually in the labor force? Yes, it is delayed by a month. Yes, it is backward looking, but it is by far the most comprehensive report. And it is one that every first Friday of every month, I spend an enormous amount of time going through the detail because I think that that provides you a lot of information. Okay, my man. Thank you. Bye-bye. 